the best Eagles basketball coverage. This is Creature Report. What's going on, Eagles fans? Welcome to Screech Report. This is Elliot on the mic, joined as always by Russell. What's up, guys? What's up? Um, guys, we're back with another episode. We're going to have a real busy offseason. Uh, so tonight we just kind of want to dive into some of the rumor mills going around about, you know, the new coaching, coach search for the men's team. You know, obviously with the news uh, uh, last week, or was it this week? Last week, uh, with Coach Flag being removed from the men's program that that search is underway a lot to be talked about there um first and foremost the women are going on to the a sun championship for the 11th freaking time 11th straight time yeah 11th sorry 11th consecutive time in hopes that they win it we have the fullest of confidence in them that they will so if you're listening to this before saturday march 13th 12th yes sorry 12th at 7 p.m. At 7 p.m., then you should go there and show out and yell like hell like the Dirty Birds say. Yep, we'll be there. They're playing Jacksonville State, who has been a really good team for both the men and women this year in basketball. So they will need your support, and hopefully we send them off to another NCAA attorney appearance. We've also got news that apparently the men's team will be accepting a accepting to play in what is now the the new – College Insider Tournament. I'm not sure of the name. It's like College Basketball Classic or something like that. The Basketball Classic Tournament. That's what it is. BCT. BCT? Yeah. So that news just dropped today, March 10th. Um, Actually, I think it was yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday during the women's game. It was kind of on the down low. Like, I don't even know who we're playing. That's Nothing's announced. The only thing I saw was that it was just a random tweet that said FGCU and Wichita state. I think it was really, uh, which is a bigger school. So maybe I'm wrong or maybe that's going to, but it was to be at home is what I heard. Yeah. Uh, that it's, it's in Fort Myers, but, um, spoiler alert. Um, it's potentially a five game, uh, tournament if they can go on to win a bunch of games. Right. But still like without talking too much about what that's going to look like, cause we don't even know what teams are in this tournament, but, but, but um, like how how weird is it almost that they're playing a game right now yeah i mean from what we read in the article i think it was posted by greg hardwig of news press uh, naples news oh sorry naples daily news according to the article we're playing at home on tuesday but apparently that the players were all wanting to play because that makes for an awkward situation now with you know the the coach fly not being the coach anymore but he would still coach if they play in this tournament, but if the players want to play, have at it. I hope they, you know, go out on a bang. Right. I think that that's really the, the decider. Like if I'm coach fly, I'm, and you know, it was initially said that in in the, you know, release from the school after fly being, being fired, it was, it was said like, you know, he'll have the opportunity to coach uh, the men's team again in, you know, the formerly CIT tournament, um, you know, should they accept a bid and it sounds like basically um, athletic director Ken Kavanaugh addressed the team and was like, do you guys want to play? And that team's full of seniority and seniors and guys who did not want to stop playing right now. So if their overwhelming consensus is 
yes, I want to play, then if I'm Coach Fly, I'm like, then yes, I want to coach you. Like, because I want to get something out of this, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, I think that's something that could be rallied behind. Um, But I think that commitment is necessary, though, because like if they're told to play, if it's like, yeah, we're going to accept this bid. Uh, and the players are yeah. like salty about losing. Like, how are you going to get up for that game? It's just going to be embarrassing, you know? Um, but, yeah, I mean, good for them. I'm glad they want to play. I'm glad they want to, you know, kind of you know, right some of the wrongs of getting sent home too early. So what are your thoughts on if, you know, this game it does end up being true, which we think it is, what is the attendance going to be like? Are they going to care? Is any, I mean, like, obviously we still care. I want the best for FGC, but, like, the overall – vibe how how weird will that be i have no idea what the attendance is going to be like because on one hand students will be back you know from spring break so maybe it's like yeah we'll come out to the game uh the older you know population i mean they're literally retired so what else do they have to do um, unless they have you know 4 30 dinner scheduled um that's just an old people joke sorry guys um <laughs> but uh you know, so I, I feel like it's going to look a lot like um, like it has, you know, half full maybe. Um, I, I'm going to go on Tuesday. I have nothing planned for Tuesday evening. So, and I, you know, I want to see guys play for the last time. We might, this might be Cato seeing the last time Cato plays and it's at home. It's possible. Um, right. Same thing with TV and Dunn Martin, Kevin, Kevin Samuel, Samuel, all the guys, you know, Richie, you don't know what's going to happen with him. Rivers, you, like the guys who might in, end up transferring. Like this is uh, potentially the, the last time, like officially to, to see them, them play in Alico arena. So I'm definitely going to be there to see something. Right on. Um, do we want to go into any of the rumor mills of what we've seen on the internet talking to some fans talking to some people on the on the head coaching search or is it all kind of just a moot point at this point well um it is just a cluster f of uh of names right now um however uh this is a good opportunity to say we're going to be putting together a little article um just that i'm going to try to get out early next week um, that is essentially the what's the pulse around the fan base? Who do we think each one of us um, think could be a potential, you know, hire for someone like Ken Cavanaugh for the men's program? Uh, is it a high major assistant? Is it Marty Richter's the fan favorite right now because he's the he's the obvious hire um, for FGCU ties? Yes, because of FGCU ties and a couple others like that. So this is also an open invitation. Um, if you have opinions on who you think the next coach should be just dm us inbox us twitter instagram i don't care fax us yeah send us a facsimile um uh email actually we do have an email like you can find that pretty easily um so however the hell you want to write on our myspace wall yeah you want to look into our myspace account um yeah send us a message i'll I'll make you my number one friend um (laughs) but but yeah if you have any opinions on that share them and, and we will put them in the article, um, and cite you. Um, uh, but yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much it. We, our, our last pod wasn't that long ago. Um, just kind of the reaction to the, to the fly news. So we do have a very special interview today. Uh, we managed to speak with Ken Cavanaugh, athletic director. Um, we thought this is a really good time because we have the women's championship game coming up on Saturday, assuming you're listening to this before then. If not, this is still a good listen because we asked um, Ken about, you know, his process for looking for a new men's coach. 
We asked him about kind of, you know, his views on a couple of things going on in the NCAA. And, you know, it's just a pretty good interview. He, he's got a lot to say. So uh, we were excited to talk to him. We're thankful for him for stopping on. Yep. Really appreciate your time, Ken. Thanks for coming on and uh, enjoy the interview. All right, we want to welcome FGCU Athletics Director Ken Cavanaugh to the Screecher Report podcast. This is Russell currently on the mic, as well as Elliot here, who will be asking some questions also. Ken, first off, we want to thank you for hopping on the pod to talk with us during a busy time for you. Uh, we, re- we appreciate that. Um, and when we say busy, we mean it. You oversee every athletics department, so that means no off-season for you. Uh, with that said, we'll get right to it. Um how about that win last night? It got a little bit scary for a while, but ultimately they, they just kept hitting shots and finally put it together. Um, what do you think of the game and how their season's gone so far? Well, obviously it's another phenomenal year. Uh, you know, We should never take for granted and be spoiled with what tremendous success Coach Semesco and his, his staff and his team continue to produce. You know, to be a top 20 program as often as we are now and, and at the level we play in terms of excitement, you know, a lot of people certainly get caught up on the reigning threes and thankfully we made a bunch especially in the second half but you know, the, the, basically the, uh, the benchmark of the team's longevity of success has been defense and in the second half uh, when coach made the adjustments at halftime and, and the ladies followed through is uh, something we've gotten used to in key moments and uh, we look forward to hopefully that happening again on Saturday and, and uh, hopefully into a run into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's you know you you mentioned it every year. Coach Smesco fields like such a special group of athletes, and this year it's almost redundant at this point. But this is a special group of group of athletes, a special team. And so I guess you know what are your thoughts on just another what is eleventh straight uh, A Sun championship appearance, um, and the game coming up on Saturday. What are you, what are your thoughts about that? Where's where's your head at? Are we going to win? <laughs> well, well, first of all, you know, again, I just think it's a uh, uh, an unbelievable achievement with Carl does. I mean, we are the team with the, uh, you know, uh, the bullseye on our back every year. Uh, and every year, you know, Carl just finds a way to work through it. And sometimes it's with a, a really good, strong core of players returning like we have this year. Other years, it's like it was a year ago where, you know, we lost such a great group from that 30 and 3 team. And next thing you know, coach has gone out and, and secured additional members to our, our pro- program. In addition to players growing um, in different roles. You, you look at where Kirsty Phillips is now relative to where she was a couple of years ago and as more of a frontline player and definitely was so when uh, Kirsten Bell was out with her injury for those nine games. Um, you look at a couple of years ago, Nazrael and where Naz was as a role player as a freshman and by the time she was you know, later in her, her junior year, she's the player of the year. So I think it's a continuation of what I see on a constant basis that goes on in Alico Arena from a practice standpoint uh, that manifests itself to player development and team development that we're not surprised with. And, you know, we are playing a, a very good Jacksonville State team that uh, we were fortunate to uh, play very well against in uh, in Alabama a, a month or so ago and without uh, Kirsten. Kirsten, that was, I think, her first game that she missed. And TK, I believe, had a 30-point game and, and others stepped into that. Uh, additional roles during the course of that nine-game period. So uh, we are obviously the favorite, but um, as we know, uh, well, we've beaten a lot of teams. So the game starts 0-0, so hopefully that defense and uh, the reigning threes will, will play well like we did in the fourth quarter yesterday. 
Of course, yeah, we're excited, and we hope to see a win on Saturday and encourage everyone to come on out to the game if you're listening to the podcast before then. It's going to be a good good time. Um, moving on to the men's side of things with men's basketball, obviously this year we had 21 wins and some really talented players on that team. Um, some lower points, but some also very high points of the season. Ultimately, they lost to Bellarmine in the quarterfinals of the ASUN uh, tournament. From your perspective, what's the overall view of how the season went for the men? Well, overall for this season, I, I think we've uh, certainly uh, done what we needed to do to be in the postseason, and that's uh, you know playing next week at home against to be determined opponent and the, the rebranded CIT now called the Basketball Classic. So I want to commend Coach Fly and, and our leaders on our team for getting us to that point. Uh, certainly, you know we bounced back last year with such a tough year with COVID and. You know, the on-again, on off-again ways that you have to deal with with pauses. But, you know, we, we had a really good year this year. Unfortunately, you know, we didn't make the uh, long run into the uh, conference tournament playoffs. And, uh, um, you know, the element of us going forward and, and a coaching change, it, it's just a, a forecast for me as to where we are. And, uh, and I just felt that it was time for a transition. But uh, I greatly appreciate uh, all that Coach Fly and his staff have done you know, Mike's been a valuing community for the last 11 years. Has been a part of a lot of successes, and uh, you know I'm looking forward to him not only coaching Tuesday, but you know hopefully potentially five more games uh, with us having a run into the tournament and uh, hopefully maybe winning a championship. So you know anytime you can get to the postseason, uh, you should appreciate it. And in particular, maybe the last game of a particular senior's career. So we're uh, we're hoping that Tuesday isn't that game, but we're excited that we get a chance not only to play, but to get to play at home. Yep, understood. Um, so the decision to part ways with Coach Fly was met with kind of a combination of surprise and relief from you know different spectrums of the, the fan base. Um, it was very split over the last few seasons over the performance, obviously some external problems we've had. Um, I guess, can you elaborate on what went into the, into the decision of ultimately going separate ways uh, with Coach Fly? Well, first of all, again, I want to commend Coach Fly for his four years and all that what he's put in. You know, what we've done in particular off the court, we have our highest GPAs that we've ever had. And, and a, to a team, player accountability was, was uh, significant. Um, Michael was a tremendous teammate, uh, not just within our athletic department, but across campus. Uh, but at the end of the day, and Michael – and I've discussed this. Uh, when he and I talked about him taking over the reins of the program, it was about continuing our high level of success postseason and, and championships. And uh, thankfully, we have postseason this year, but uh, we have not been close to a championship, either the regular season or the tournament, uh, over the last four years. And I, I just felt at that point, as I look forward, that uh, perhaps a new leadership would get us closer to where we need to be and where we desire to be. And uh, and it was not an easy decision in any stretch, uh, but at the same time, it's my responsibility with, uh, you know, Dr. Martin's uh, approval uh, to do those things. And, and uh, as harding, hard a decision as it was, uh, it was what I felt was the right decision. Sure. And, you know, I've been saying this to Elliot and also on the pod in the past. I'm a Chicago Bears fan personally, so I'm way too used to going through coaching searches, unfortunately. But... Um, you know, after the initial reactions subside, whenever, you know, a coach is fired, the one thing that kind of stems from a firing is sort of this increased sense of unity among fans, kind of an excitement, you know, after the initial, you know, lull, I guess you could say it's a clean slate, essentially. 
So is that sort of something you're looking to, you're looking forward to kind of just a refreshed, um, you know, fan base and kind of, you know, energy, I guess, around the place? Well, certainly our responsibility every day, our number one responsibility in the athletics department is to create positive publicity for the institution. And uh, we do so with our academic results. We're very proud that we have a 3.41 grade point average. The school has a 3.13. And, and for 25 straight semesters, we've been able to uh, have that um, success. Um, and so that's certainly uh, part of it. And we are in a position where ambassadors for the school and part of that ambassador's role is uh, generating energy and enthusiasm through our successes uh, in our given sport. So, you know, with, you know when you, it's risk-reward. We put a lot of resources into our basketball programs, the most that we put of any of our teams, and it's done with hopefully the rewards of uh, not only potential financial opportunities to grow our department budget for just uh, not just basketball but all our teams, um, but also the uh, opportunity for us to create exposure for the institution. And, you know, it may be a once-in-a-lifetime scenario what happened with our Sweet 16 team, but when we went to the NCAA two other times since then, uh, in particular, you know, we had that opportunity when we went to the first four and, and had a significant win over Fairleigh Dickinson, and then two nights later we're playing in Raleigh, North Carolina against, uh, within reason, uh, the hometown uh, Tar Heels, and we're down one point at halftime and the exposure that created. We wound up losing, uh, but we played better at halftime even than Villanova did that year when they beat them at the buzzer, but uh, certainly uh, played in a way that uh, Notre Dame and Indiana and Providence, three other opponents of North Carolina, uh, you know, we played better than them. So you do that, you gain exposure for your school, and it hopefully not only creates uh, excitement and, and enjoyment for our fans, uh, but our alumni, and create some recognition for FGCU is still a young institution uh, as we still try to grow our brand and enhance opportunities for quality young men and women to want to come to school there. Exactly. You know, 11 years in D1 for the men's basketball program, and I believe the women's program, or all programs actually in, in general, you know, it's very young and, and our fan base are actually spoiled quite a bit just from the so quick success that we've had uh, on the scene. So it's important to try to keep building that but obviously I don't know how much you can talk about the the coach search right now for the men's team um, but could you maybe give us a little bit of a the process or if there's a hot list of guys you've already been kind of uh, reaching out to maybe asking for a conversation what's that process like to find a to find a new coach well it's just you know I'm, I'm using a lot of connections that I have um, across the country that I've fortunate to develop relationships, trustworthy relationships over the years. There's not a shortage of people that are interested in our job. Really, at this juncture, I'm trying to narrow the focus to a few um, so that I can really dig deep on them to see if they're the best overall fit for FGCU. There's a lot of really good people and a lot of great coaches um, that I've talked to, but we only have one job. It's like, uh, you know, I've told some of these coaches, you know, they recruit and they may have three or four really good recruits, but they have one scholarship. How do they get down to it? That's what I'm trying to do. Um, if everything was equal, I would prefer someone who's got head coaching experience, uh, similar to uh, right now with the transfer portal and how um, a lot of the coaches are growing more in that direction than they are taking freshmen out of high school. And the reasoning for it, they have somebody who's been seasoned and, and veteran a little bit more gone through the trials and tribulations. So, you know, it's not to say if you could get a star freshman, you're not going to take them, uh, just like if you could get an Andy Enfield who – you know, not been a head coach previously, um, you know, is someone that's the best fit for you. So there, there's no exact science. 
know, this element of you got a drawer where you've got five people and you're just going to go right to them. You know, maybe they could do that in the highest resource programs like Kentucky or North Carolina or Duke or whatever. But, you know, I've found in my uh, history as an athletic director at mid-majors that uh, it really just lets the thing flow. Andy Enfield was the name that he sent his information into me on an email. Uh, Joe Dooley came about through a discussion with a friend who said, hey, you know, have you thought about, you know, Joe Dooley as a guy? said, well, I've spent much time knowing much about him, but other I know he's a good coach in Kansas. So in each particular case, things will potentially go uh, in a different direction than the time before. Uh, but the main thing is to try to work hard, trying to find out as much as possible about your candidate, and then eventually give them all the information, to be honest. I try to tell people right off the bat, these are our resources. You know, we are not all of a sudden going to have charter flights. Uh, we are in southwest Florida. It takes a distance to get from here to there, both in recruiting and travel, and you need to know that. We are in a position where at 25 years old, our oldest traditional alum is 46. Our average one's 34. Um, that's not changing tomorrow. So we have to understand where our resources come from in our community, and we have to go out and work twice as hard to get people who didn't go to school at FGCU, and there's a number of people that are tremendous supporters of ours, to keep them but also to gain uh, more people into the community that want to be a part of our program. So that takes a lot. It takes a, a combination of being able to um, have the energy and stamina uh, to want to do things well beyond just coach because uh, a lot of programs have to fundraise, but some of them don't. And some of the coaches that are coming from schools that really don't fundraise, they pick up checks. You know, they go out with a donor, and that donor just wants to be close to their program and writes a check. Uh, we have to work a lot harder. So I need someone that can take care of the myriad of responsibilities from, you know, first and foremost, having the integrity uh, to be someone that represents our institution and, and can lead young men uh, the right way and hold people accountable uh, to balancing the expectations of how to coach and recruit and uh, do the things off the court that you need to do as well. Um, and then lastly, it's someone that the community will hopefully rally around uh, to help us grow our resources at a time where resources don't equal expectations for FTCU basketball. Um, if they did, uh, we'd have a lot more resources because the expectations are really high uh, for a program that continues to be successful. Um, on the men's side, not yet to the level of the women, uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know, we talked about just briefly earlier about the women's team. It would be awesome to see our fans show up and give the significant results of uh, fan attendance to what this team deserves as a top 20 program. And, uh, you know, that's something that I hope we'll, we'll witness. But in turn, uh, the new coach that we have for the men uh, is hopefully going to be someone that can embody all the things we need and, and along the lines of what we have right now, obviously, with Coach Samasco. That's a great answer, honestly. Um, and, you know, one, one more kind of thing just about that that I kind of want to touch on is, um, you know, when Coach Fly was first hired, you know, his first action I remember coming out was like to try and retain the talent, right? Zach Johnson was leaving, but it was, you know, all those other guys that were around from the from the Dooley system, Michael Gilmore and, you know, Brady Ernst, whoever else at the time. Um, do you anticipate a new coach kind of trying to do the same thing, or is that totally all up in the air at this point? Well, I mean, the first thing anybody should always want to do is retain your best individuals uh, first and then go out and replace them or add to it as best possible. Myself as an athletic director with our personnel being my number one priority and certainly a coach. So you know, we hope that uh, we'll have a coach that will come on board and energize our current student-athletes to want to stay uh, and not go into the transfer portal 
and then secondarily uh, look to recruit new student athletes, whether it's freshmen that could come in or junior college transfers, or lastly go through the portal uh, to put a combination together to build up the depth. We have a number of scholarships available for next year and, and to maximize use of those so that uh, we have both talent and depth uh, to go back out and win the A-Sun and get back into the NCAA. Um, so the last thing I really want to discuss is just kind of FGCU's place in the A-Sun. Um, and that, that goes across all programs. I mean, this past year, uh, three solid programs entered the league, um, at least in basketball, A-Sun, um, you know, 12-team league, making that uh, interesting kind of east-west division. Um, and we're set to gain a really successful Austin P team. Uh, but then, you know, the following year, we'll be losing uh, Liberty and Jacksonville State and, you know, maybe adding somebody else. Who knows? But... You know, at this point, teams have come and gone, but FGCU and, you know, a few others have been here for years at this point. Um, I guess my question to you is, what's your take on the direction of the A-Sun across all sports, and where does FGCU stand um, in all of that? Well, first, I think it's pretty clear for most of us that, you know, when we uh, lose Liberty and Jacksonville State uh, as we go into the 23-24 year, that, you know, 11 is not a good number for a lot of reasons. It's an odd number when you play basketball and one team has to sit out. Uh, we'll go through that, unfortunately, next year with apparently 13 teams uh, in the mix. But uh, we will probably need to get to 12 and the sixth team being uh, the 12 team being a 16 that would have FCS scholarship football to accommodate the other schools that are play that and have a need for that number to have an automatic bid to the NCAA postseason playoffs. So uh, my expectations, which I think is pretty much shared by uh, most of the athletic directors and presidents in the league, is that's the route that we'll go and we'll be at 12. To us, ideally, 10 would be the best number. Uh, 10 allows you to have less teams to compete for championships uh, for NCAA bids and all the rest of that. Uh, you get 18 conference games, but you know, we're not there now, and we have to do some compromising in the midst of uh, constant scenes, uh, you know, turmoil within uh, being a part of a conference. But uh, that's what we're looking at. Um, and in turn, uh, as we do that, we believe that we'll be resourced. Liberty's resources are beyond belief for everybody. They have a $2 billion endowment with their 120,000 students online. And when you put $2 billion in perspective, take the other 11 schools in the ASUN, take all of our endowments, and multiply that times two, and you don't get to $2 billion. So they do things that none of us do. I've been on their campus as recently as two weeks ago for the CCSA Swim Championships, uh, and it's just amazing from year to year when you go there, the amount of new uh, facilities they have. But their athletic director told me that they are currently doing $100 million in new construction on their campus, not just for athletics, but overall in their physical plan. Uh, there's not many too, too many schools in the country are doing that. So, you know, it, it does allow us to maybe be more on par with the rest of our league and in some cases uh, be back at the front. You know, when you take our physical plan, our beach, and what we can show recruits to, you know, the educational opportunities that continue to grow at FGCU and the entrepreneurial program and things like that that you know, we rank so high at. So we're going to take our strengths, whether Liberty's in the league or not, um, but in turn when we're back to 12, it's, a better number for scheduling, one less team to compete with for postseason, and in turn, uh, I guess, getting rid of a, a school that really has a major financial advantage, not that we uh, don't enjoy beating schools with bigger budgets. Yeah, thanks for putting that in this per, uh, perspective for us. That's pretty incredible, but they've been a fun team to watch and, and play against, but we'll be glad when we can uh, maybe get them out of here so we can take take rain over the A-Sun again. But 
Um, with that being said, kind of one more question that's been the buzz lately uh, with Bellerman winning the A-Sun this year and, you know, them being in the, the four-year transitional period. This is kind of an overall NCAA question as well as an A-Sun question. But um, I guess what are your thoughts on that? You know, FGCU obviously went through that a while back, but now, you know, Bellerman wins. They're, they're in the second year of the four-year uh, transition. And A-Sun Commissioner Ted Gumbart recently spoke out about wishing that Bellerman could compete but also gave reasons why the ineligibility period is in place. Um, is there any hope for that rule to get shortened or eliminated altogether, or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I don't know on a national level what the uh, the pulse is. I've not had you know, any discussions with anybody that could really be in a position to make that thought process uh, concrete for me right now. Uh, my general thought initially is that, you know, where we are right now, everybody knew the ground rules. Uh, FTCU knew the ground rules, as did UNF and Kennesaw and others that made the transition several years ago that, hey, if you come into Division One, your first four years, you're not eligible to go to the NCAA tournament. Uh, we made a decision collectively as a conference several years ago when Northern Kentucky was in to allow schools that were not eligible for the NCAA to still compete. So, um, you know, I'm okay with that in terms of if we've made it collectively. Uh, in turn, um, you know, we're at a situation where those ground rules were determined well before we had the tournament last week. So, you know, for the Bellarmine student-athletes, they had an opportunity that we didn't have. Uh, you know, our first four years, we went to the WNIT in women's basketball, and Coach Semesco would have loved to participate in the conference tournament with his student-athletes, and we didn't get that opportunity. Time changed. There's things that, you know, that maybe it's the right thing to do move forward. But I think there is some element of if you're moving from Division Two to Division One, you may have some student-athletes who did not have to go by the same entrance requirements that the Division One schools did. So now they're there at your school, and now they get to play potentially to compete for an opportunity that others didn't have because of academics. So, and I'm not saying anybody at Bellarmine at this time had any issues that they wouldn't have been Division One eligible. I just don't know. But across the board, that's what the NCA decision is. And uh, so, you know, I think there's an opportunity that was created fairly that uh, the team that had the best number one seed during the course of 16 games should be treated with more respect to get the at-large bid than a team that maybe had a hot week. So I'm, I'm all in favor of Jacksonville State being the team that was given the opportunity. Um, you know, a few years ago we beat UNF and we played a Stetson team that was ineligible to play in the NCAA tournament. Had we lost, UNF should have gone, not FGCU, even though we made it to the championship, because in my opinion they had proven themselves over, at that time I think it was 18 games. So uh, and I know there's a different debate on it, but uh, it's gained a lot of notoriety. One is, should they have even been able to play? And the other one is, oh, they won. Now they should be able to um, be able to participate. Um, I'm more open to, should they be able to play in their conference tournament? I'm not as open to the fact that the ground rules are already established, and I don't think they should be changed unless they're changed at the whole NCAA level. Matter of fact, people didn't realize they're not allowed to go to the NIT either because the NIT is run by the NCAA, and we were not allowed to do that either, um, you know, when uh, – you know, the WNIT is different, you know, so they're run by a private organization, but the NIT is run by the NCA with a collective membership that makes the rules and decides that. So that's maybe if people say, well, how did our women get to play in the WNIT? Because uh, it's a separate organization. Gotcha. And thank you for clearing that up for sure. Um, there's definitely so many moving parts when you talk about eligibility, and it's absolutely right that, you know, you know the rules when you sign up, um, you know, whether it seems fair or not, but... Um, you know, that's pretty much going to wrap up our questions for you. Um, you know, one last little thing I want to throw in there just to get clarification is 
are um do you have any sort of i guess eta or timeline for when you think the men's job is going to be you know soft deadline for i saw somewhere april 1st was a goal um i don't know how true that is what can you say about that yeah i mean there's really no exact science to it i did throw out april 1st that i i hope that's enough time frame for all the normalcies of a search process to uh, go on and in turn you know if it could be done sooner that would be awesome um, and if it's something that happened to be delayed, we'll just deal with that too. It's about the end result of getting the right fit for FGCU, not what may be a good fit for another school. Um, and at the end of the day, making sure that whatever recommendation I have to Dr. Martin uh, fits his wishes. And then at that point, we would like to get going because of the portal for both maintaining, as we said earlier, our staff with uh, connected to our student-athletes so they get a chance to feel that this is going to continue to be a great spot and in turn to encourage uh, future individuals to come here, whether through the high school ranks, junior college, or uh, lastly, to be in a position through the portal. Yeah, that portal is definitely something to uh, monitor all the time. But, um, okay, yeah, we really appreciate you coming on and talking with us, um, you know, as we start what will be a very busy offseason for the men and, you know, eventually the women. But we're hoping that their season doesn't doesn't end anytime soon. Uh, But thank you very much for coming on. We appreciate you. Well, guys, my pleasure. We really appreciate the efforts you put into giving visibility to our coaches and student-athletes at FTCU, and thanks for all your efforts. Of course. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. I could be brown, I could be blue, I could be violet sky.